Welcome to The Good Lawyer. This is a 2022 copyrighted podcast of the Young Lawyers Division of the State Bar of Georgia, where we discuss what makes a good lawyer. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. I am your host, Sari Young. And today on the show, I am very excited to have the 76th YLD president, Mr. Ron Daniels of Daniels Taylor Law, LLC. He is going to share with us today his thoughts behind not only creating the podcast, but his experience with season one as the host and his recent success of the YLD's 16th annual signature fundraiser. Welcome to the show, Ron. Hey, how are you? Good. This is exciting and a little bit interesting. I'm, I'm on a different end of this thing all of a sudden. Turning the mic on the actual creator of the show. Ron, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got to where you are now and your practice of law. Uh, I always start out telling people that I was born and raised in Ryan, Georgia. And uh, some people look at me kind of funny when I say that, because Ryan is a very small town. I think the current population is somewhere around 370 people. It's always been kind of around 400 people during my life, but it has somewhat of a reputation. The joke running around often is if Ryan was a person that would have spent most of its life in prison. Uh, and it, it was a rough place um, shortly before I was born. You know, I think there were shootouts in the street and I'm not embellishing there. I think there were literally shootouts in the street in the 80s just shortly before I was born. Uh, so it's always had sort of a, an infamy about it. Uh, and and people kind of look at you funny if they recognize it. And if they don't recognize it, they're kind of like, well, where is that? And it always leads to, to more conversations about it. But I always start out with that because being from a small town, an uber small town in rural Georgia, that's probably the most defining thing about my life when I start thinking about decisions I've made and what I've done. When you grow up somewhere where there's 370 people, you basically know everybody. There's no strangers. You you don't really have neighbors. The whole town is your neighbor. There's some subdivisions uh, in some part of the state that have more than 375 people. So it, it, you have this sort of close-knit community that you grow up in. And more than anything, I think that's really set myself, set me on the path that I've been on pretty much my entire life. You know, I've always felt like you had to help people do community service, things of that. And uh, and I've always tended to smaller places. The example being, and um, I tell folks, you know, I went to Middle Georgia College in Cochrane when it was a two-year school. Then I went to Georgia Southwestern State University of Americas, finish up undergrad, both of those relatively small schools. And then I went to Mercer Law School. And when I got to Mercer Law School in Macon, was the very first time in my entire life that I was in an actual academic class where there was more than 30 people. At Mercer, they, we have a couple of classes that are small section classes where it's just you and your section mates, and then a couple of large section classes where you've got three sections sharing a room. And you know, all of a sudden, I was in a class with 60, 60, 65 people, and that was a huge difference to me because I'd literally never been in a classroom with that many people. And uh, you know, there was... I forget the exact number of people that graduated high school with me, but you know, our, our entire high school population, I remember at one point in time, I was comparing numbers with somebody and they graduated as many people as we had in high school at one time. Uh, and so I've always tended to smaller environments and 
Uh, I guess my practice uh, once I graduated law school and passed the bar is somewhat skewed the same way. I started out in Warner Robins, worked in Houston County for several years, did a little work uh, all over middle Georgia, was in Macon proper for about a year doing some of counsel work with a great lawyer up there, Brian Gerard, and doing some stuff all around. But sort of the goal was always for me to get back home uh, to Dodge County. And uh, I finally made it here uh, officially in 2017 and full-time in 2019 and just sort of got my my bearings back here. But uh, uh, most of my life has been set on that path of being a part of this very small community here and knowing people and, and wanting to help the people here. And not only have you been a part of small communities, but you tend to create communities around you. And that's where you are now as president of the YLD. Part of creating that community, you created this podcast. Can you talk to us a little bit about why you created this podcast and kind of your thoughts behind it? And, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to a number of past YLD presidents. And I think it started with Nicole Leet and went forward from there. But we've been talking about a podcast for four or five years before I got to be president. And it it wasn't for a lack of trying that we didn't have one. It was more of a, how do we, how do we have a podcast and what do we have it be about? And and that's sort of always the struggle. And I think when we sat down to start talking and coming up with ideas, like Bert Hummel had a great idea when he was president of the Wild to name the podcast. And he turns out, there was a podcast that already had that name. I think it was for, for the good of the order or something along those lines. And we discovered there was another podcast out there with the same name. But, you know, we, we went through all these things about, you know, what sort of release schedule, what kind of things we could do. The thing that was always a sticking point was, well, what is it going to be about? I've been listening to podcasts since I think 2006 or 2007. I jumped on it really early. I used to listen to, I think it was Patrick Norton, who was on uh, the Screensavers and on Tech TV, had a, a podcast way back when. And that was really my first interaction one. The ones that I, I can tell are going to make it past three or four episodes. There's always something that gives it a direction. You know, nobody wants to listen to me talk for two and a half hours. You know, I'm not that interesting. I don't know many people that are that interesting. And so sitting around talking shop for two and a half hours as a podcast, that's not going to work. Uh, interviewing lawyers for an hour in these long form narratives about anything about their life, and their career, that may work for a while, but at some point in time, it's going to dwindle down. And I think a great example of finding a purpose is, you know, this is not the bar's first podcast. Uh, we have another great podcast that the lawyers living well, that they do. And it's great. It has a purpose, though. It's talking about wellness issues. And that's what keeps it going. And that's what gets its viewer base. So I was sitting around saying, you know, what can we make a podcast about? And and I was thinking about all the parameters and things. And, you know, a a lot of us are facing, you know, billable hours. A lot of us live in that little sort of box that we've got to worry about how we're spending our time. Well, it's got to be short. It's got to be something that's relevant to everybody. Uh, And I think I was honestly watching TikTok. A a lot of the TikToks I get on my For You page are are these man or woman on the street style interviews where they go up to somebody and say, hey, um, what's your thoughts on this? Uh, And you get all sorts of answers. It sort of dawned on me all of a sudden, 
why don't we do that, but ask what makes a good lawyer? Yeah, that's such a a question that has such an open-ended answer um, that, you know, well, are you talking about, you know, what makes a moral lawyer or a professional lawyer? Are you talking about what makes a successful lawyer? Or are you talking about what makes a happy lawyer? You know, even the question itself doesn't presuppose exactly what it is you're supposed to be calling a good lawyer. And I said, well, this could be something that would work and started pitching the idea and people seemed interested. And I said, well, if we do it on that man on the street or woman on the street style interview, and it's short, it can be something that somebody can listen to driving to the coffee shop or driving to get lunch. Uh, It's not a burden to listen to. I said, we may have something here and we've made it work somehow. (laughs) What was it like hosting season one of the podcast after finally sitting down and working it out. Yeah, I'm still somewhat amazed at some of the people I got to talk to. And I I mean, I was literally in awe of some of the people. Uh, Perfect example is Ray Persons. Ray Persons has this very storied career, not just in the state of Georgia, but across the United States. And I, I think honestly, probably they know him in a few other countries for the work he's done. And I got to talk to him and pick his brain about, you know, what makes a successful lawyer. I think, too, the other thing that was really interesting to me is how everybody didn't have immediately the same answer. We've got a lot of different responses, and I think it's very telling that it's not so much that people don't know what a good lawyer is or can't define what a good lawyer is, but just that there are so many things that can go into it. And, and, you know, I, I still don't know that I can answer the question, what makes a good lawyer? I don't know that you ever will have a definitive answer of what makes a good lawyer. But I think it's certainly something I grew as a lawyer from doing and, and listening to. I learned uh, more about what could be qualities that I wanted to emulate in my practice and in my life. Well, we may not be able to define what makes a good lawyer with one common response, but one of the most common responses that we're finding throughout your season and mine is that a good lawyer gives back. And part of giving back is being involved in your community and in your bigger community, the state, state of Georgia. Recently, you had a very successful signature fundraiser, the 16th one. Can you talk to us about what went into the recent success of that fundraiser? Sure. Um, I'll tell you the best thing that I did as YLD president was find uh, good people to put in charge of things. I take none of the credit for the signature fundraiser being the success it was. You need to look no further than Latoya Williams, uh, Mitchell Snyder, and Mayor Beth Hanty, and Jessica Oglesby. They're the ones who, who really made that be a success. I was sort of the idea person and sort of the face, and I did a lot of phone calls and sent a lot of emails asking people to support the organizations. But ultimately, when you want to look at it being successful, I think that's really where it rests. And I think to that point, there was a point in time where we had sort of a, I'd say a ticklish issue, Um, you know, just a sort of a sensitive matter that we had and we had to deal with. And I completely deferred to Latoya, and I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, and I'm not going to go too far into it. I completely deferred to her. I said, this is your time to answer this. This is not something I can answer. We're going to go with what you say. And I think really one thing I have learned as being Wildy president is leadership sometimes is knowing when to not be the leader 
and letting somebody else do it because we're not all qualified to do everything. Somebody has to be the person that unlocks the door. Somebody has to be the person that screws in the light bulb. And somebody has to be the person that, you know, makes sure the the rayon tube is connected to the flux capacitor. Uh, And you just got to know what your strengths and weaknesses are and what somebody else's strengths and weaknesses are and know when to defer to them. And that was one thing that I think out of the whole process that I learned more as a person is if I trust these people to put them in charge of something and I believe in them and I have faith in them, I need to get out of their way. And I told them in the last couple of weeks, I'm going to stay out of y'all's way. Unless y'all tell me you need me, I'm staying out of your way. Um, and I, I think that's what made it successful more than anything is knowing when to support and, and get out of the way and allow the people that I, I thought could do it, do it. What was the thought process behind using the, this year's signature fundraiser to help fuel and fundraise for Middle Georgia Justice? Well, and it was, it was actually both Middle Georgia Justice and the Georgia Legal Services Program. And it's really no secret. I have done community service things my entire life. I mean, it is ingrained in me to do community service. I don't know if it's because I grew up in a Southern Baptist church and that's what we did, or if 4-H imparted it into me, or at what point in time that just became the thing to do. But that was just something we did. And so when I was in law school, I never really thought about doing pro bono work and things of that nature. But as I got into my practice and I saw that folks just needed help doing something, you know, it's not that hard to do a will for somebody that doesn't have a very complicated estate. It's not that hard to defend a credit card collection lawsuit where there may be some sort of meritorious defense, or it may just needs to be some sort of, you know, hey, look, these people can, they want to pay you, but they're on a fixed income. Can we work something out? Or it may be something as complicated as, is two people arguing over the custody of a dog. And literally another one of your guests, Justice Colvin, one of the very first bench trials she had in her first year on making Superior Court Judge bench, she heard us arguing about the custody of a dog between two unwed people. And none of the lawyers in the room got paid. It, you know, it was just sort of a tricky situation. And but those people deserved a lawyer. And I, I think deep down, ultimately, this profession, I mean, it is a profession, but we all have to admit that things go a lot smoother when we're involved in the process. And so if it's if it's taking on some small matter like that, yeah, it's going to wreck half a day to have a bench trial over this. Or, yeah, it's going to take away an hour worth of work you could have done to help this person with a with a deed or, or, or something along those lines. You owe it to the public. I really think you do. And And I go back to, you know, trying to trying to put my my finger on defining what makes a good lawyer and just thinking of uh, most people, if you walked out on the street, if they haven't recently dealt with a lawyer, they probably have a negative view of us. And that's certainly exacerbated by some of the things that have happened recently in the news in South Carolina and other places. But most people still do not have a high opinion of lawyers unless they've recently needed one or they you know, they've used them in the past and they have a high opinion based on that. But I can't tell you how many lawyer jokes I hear, even in my small town, for people that that are very good friends of mine. And and I sort of take umbrage with all of them. I mean, it's you say that now, but you're going to be needing me in about two weeks for something. And so, you know, I don't keep score and things like that when people make those jokes. But I mean, it's 
you have to be cognizant that that's what the public views of us. And so if you can take the time to help somebody with a small problem, whether it's, you know, helping them write a letter to get their driver's license back or whether it's, you know, helping them with a TPO or, or anything like that. Every time you do something like that, it takes back a little bit of that ground that we've lost to negative public perceptions of lawyers, even if it's just that one person. I'm a very big believer in, you know, whether you call it incrementalism or being nibbled to death by ducks. I mean, it, it works. I think you've done a lot of work, not only in your communities, but statewide in helping to turn that image around and helping lawyers find their way in creating a better image. And we sincerely appreciate that. I know having the mic turned around on you is a little different, but we appreciate your take on everything and talking about how this podcast was created and your experience hosting and especially the thought process and success of the annual signature fundraiser. That brings us to the end of this episode. And I give a sincere thanks to our guest, Ron Daniels. As always, thank you for listening to The Good Lawyer. If you enjoy our show, please rate and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and be sure to come back for our next episode. Until then, this has been Sarah Young. Thank you. This podcast was created by the Young Lawyers Division of the State Bar of Georgia. It was produced, recorded, and edited by Jamie Goss. Special thanks to Ron Daniels and D. Sarah Young. Follow the YLD on social media at Georgia YLD. Call in with questions on the podcast at 404-526-8607.